Welcome to Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news, where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts from a safe distance and without racial bias. I am your host, who hates white supremacists the most, Andrew Price. And I don't mean to say that I personally hate them more than other people. I mean, out of all the things in the world, I hate them the most. I don't claim to share some deeper hatred than other people. Fuck Nazis, Tyler Palo. And Dad Beats, a.k.a. Kirk Pinchon. Dad Beats! Hello! Hey! In this episode, my all right was a deep, guttural exhalation of pure exhaustion with (laughs) just life. With the world. Uh, yeah. How's it going, guys? Same. Terrible. (laughs) Same. I mean, Kirk, you look look like you're... (laughs) Cut out a stone. Yeah, you look fantastic. You're oh. handling it well. I think it's because I'm wearing a, a a collared shirt. You look like you have a, a Snapchat filter on. <laughs> I would love that filter. I would love that, but I don't know how. <laughs> no, I just mean like they have Snapchat filters and like that, like they they like edit your face in real time to like make oh. your skin smoother and make your eyes a little bit bigger, which psychologically makes you more attractive or something and like just and that like you know gets rid of like wrinkles and it's just, like they have like just basically like real-time digital makeup that makes you look better i think it's because i we have the shades drawn and uh i have no lights on so maybe it's the shadowing Ooh. Ooh. Or maybe i'm just sexy as fuck <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, so, <laughs> we, oh, we, man. we took, we took a week off, mm-hmm. uh, last week because, uh, I just felt weird about doing a news show about such, such, uh, you know, seemingly unimportant, insignificant news with mm-hmm. the things that were going on, but we're back. Yep. We're back. Um, and, uh, we're going to get into it cause there's a lot of stories we, yeah. th- you know, cause I, 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 I've included some stories that would have been done last week. Initially I was going to do another, we didn't do the podcast, uh, which I've just been, honestly, I've been waiting for another opportunity to do that. Oh. Uh, and I was excited about it, but there, there wasn't enough stories to do it. So yeah. There was, there was, I had, there's more than, there's more than normal stories, but there wasn't enough to do a, we didn't do the podcast, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really quick, uh, before we get into the stories, this is just a quick little thing. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting, but it's not really that big of a deal. So we don't need to talk, touch on this too much. It's not as interesting as some of the other movie industry news that we've talked about over the last several weeks, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a slight little nugget. Uh, so basically as, as, um, Hollywood discusses, um, the, uh, 
inevitability of reopening within the coming months and starting to go back into productions and things like that. Um, which, by the way, uh, doesn't seem like the greatest of ideas considering that we're already experiencing uh spike right. spikes in reported cases oh in, in uh, los yeah. angeles and other major cities they just doing it but they're just doing it they're going they're going ahead they're just gonna do it uh but um one interesting thing about that is as they start developing guidelines for reopening there's a lot of little uh there's a lot of red tape uh being built around these reopening processes um, and one of them in the movie industry that's pretty interesting is that they're uh, basically paper scripts are just going to not be a thing anymore. Um, there's just there's just not going to be paper scripts. Nobody's going to be printing out scripts on paper. They're not going to be utilizing paper scripts and during productions. Everything's going to be digital. Everything's going to be on iPads and things like that. Um, and uh, paper actually printing out and having scripts on paper is just going to be a thing of the past um which is interesting because you know that for for years and years you know people have become more environmentally conscious and the idea of like going paperless on a, on a lot of things has already been a conversation that people have been having for years and people have been like trying to push for um and it's interesting how a completely unrelated situation just basically just pushes that bird out of the nest yeah and it's like it's like we're no, we're no more like no more inching towards that. No more like kind of doing it and then backing away and, you know, waffling on it. Like it's just full force. Yeah. Paper it, it should don't exist. It should anymore. have already been there. I mean, like right. it's so it's so antiquated, like the for, you know, the theater in Chicago that did my play. I would see rehearsals on video and everyone's on their phone with their scripts in hand. There's no one has paper. They're just like, okay, so let me look at my line and they're just scrolling through their phone. And so why wouldn't Hollywood do that? That seems way, way behind the times. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that, that's going to be a part of basically all the guidelines around reopening for most production companies and studios um, is, uh, you know, going completely paperless with scripts. Um, and then also a couple little extra things, you know, uh, uh, in, as a part of these guidelines, they're also talking about avoiding physical contact. So discouraging handshakes and high fives and, and things like that um, on sets. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, as these things reopen, aside from the fact that, you know, we're starting to see a rise in reported cases, which seems to suggest that this might not be the greatest idea, you know, to start so early. But, uh, you know, even aside from that, uh, it looks like, you know, just things in general are just going to be less fun than they were. Uh, no more sharing cocaine. Yeah. No, ah, yeah. Oh, Everybody gets their Listen, own mirror. You better clean your fucking pinky ring, people. Yeah. That's right. That wash long fingernail needs wash to be... Wash your long pinky fingernail for 20 seconds. <laughs> That's right. Before you hit a bump a rail. Yeah. yeah. Bump a rail. Um, I mean, I, I this, this this isn't even a joke. And this I didn't even think about getting this heavy with this. But uh, I, wonder, I wonder what this is going to have an impact on just the general, like, sexual harassment and assault in like the Hollywood system. 
Like the fact mm-hmm. that like just just circumstantially now that they're putting in all these inf- tightly enforced rules about like you can't be near each other and you got a social distance and there's no physical contact and things like that. I, w- I wonder if that's going to have any kind of residual effect on. I think on the that. only the only real effect is going to be like when they're finally like asking the questions for the report to get more to get more dirt. They're just going to be like, was he at least six feet away? If he wasn't six feet away, that's intent. We can put him away for even longer because people aren't going to stop being gross. Because the no, I, 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 I don't do think they're going to. I don't think they're going to stop being gross. <laughs> I obviously like that's not going to change the people. But what right. I mean is that it's going to become more normalized that people being next to each other and close to each other and going off alone into rooms is going to be like weird. Like oh, it's, okay. it's going to be it's going to be like more like noticeable. Like what yeah. are they? What are they doing? Like and and then you feel like eyes are on you because right. it's out of the ordinary that you would be doing those things. So you know, in yeah. some way, maybe having yeah. a residual effect on people's yeah people's uh, you know think thought process in the whole thing. Definitely. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, first story. Uh, just to kick this off with something, you know, a little relevant because, you know, not a lot of these stories really have anything to do with what's going on in the world today. Um, but uh, I wanted to put a little flavor in here. Um, so uh, uh, Miles Morales, a.k.a. Uh, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, mm-hmm. who has been popularized in uh the movie into the spider spider-man into the spider-verse but he's also you know he's a comic book character he was created by brian michael bendis and he is uh you know featured in the ultimate spider-man and miles morales spider-man comics um he was spotted on the uh brooklyn bridge during uh black lives matter protests a a young man in new york city showed up to a protest on the brooklyn bridge as miles morales uh, the first black Latino Spider-Man empowering fellow protesters. Um, and uh, there's, uh, I, I guess there's been like reports of similar situations where, you know, people are showing up to uh, protests um, sort of dressed in superhero costumes, their favorite superhero uh, characters and things like that. And, and And there's been some other like sort of dealings with pop culture in these protests, which, you know, it makes sense where, you know, just because we're protesting and things like that does not mean that we're not human beings that mm-hmm. still have connections to these characters and these stories and things like that. So naturally we're going to incorporate them into things. I saw a video at a protest, a uh, big, big sitting protest somewhere in Los Angeles, I think. And the guy who was kind of leading the protest and sort of currently kind of rallying the crowd and giving a speech, he, he was saying that like, he was like, he was basically like, I'd love to be at home catching up on Avatar The Last Airbender right now. <laughs> but unfortunately, I got to be out here fucking fighting for my right to even exist, um, which I thought was funny. Or yeah. uh, right, I, th- I thought it was funny, but I also I just thought it was it's so like you don't you didn't really see that back in the day. Like you don't see like footage of civil rights protests where like Malcolm X was just like. I love Star Wars anyway. <laughs> death to racism like yeah people didn't really talk about things like that and yet but we are such more of a generation inundated with pop culture that it's really fascinating to see those things sort of get intermingled i mean you see that in 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 rap 
music a lot too and, and music in general but i notice it a lot in rap because you know uh hip-hop and, and rap the, the, the lyrics tend to be more uh you know obviously conversational and more about yourself uh and so i've i've just noticed like over the last several years just the increasing pop culture references in rap music as the rappers uh the currently big rappers become more of like people of my age mm-hmm. so like i mean th- just the sheer amount of dragon ball z references in rap music now is <laughs> is is astonishing makes you um, happy yeah it does uh so yeah i i i think it's cool i think i i yeah. I, I kind of already had the thought of this uh, it's it's fu- I mean it was inevitable. I this was inevitable to happen because I had even before I read the story, even before I saw this, I um I had that exact thought. I was like I was like I wonder when uh uh like a Miles Morales is gonna show up at a um at a at a protest um <clears throat> even to the point where like I almost feel like Miles Morales could become like a uh you know some of the issues with the protests is that you know people want to people want to mask the identities of the protesters because you know if if there's video footage of protesters and people can like identify their faces and things like that they can be sort of unfairly profiled or targeted whether it's by the public people online seeing videos and being like oh that fucker's at a black lives matter protest that mm-hmm. that fucker's like antifa like i'm gonna i'm gonna go you know do something to them or even the government like literally facial scanning yeah, and keeping and, tabs and cataloging people based on where they were and what protests they were at and stuff um so i almost see something like you know everybody adopting wearing the miles morales spider-man suit as like this costume of anonymity kind of the way mm-hmm. that the uh anonymous does with the guy fox masks and things like that um and like the occupy wall street people mm-hmm. wore those masks um just to have an anonymity and kind of create this like solidarity through anonymity in a crowd like w- one of us is all of us no mm-hmm. one specific individual stands out amongst the other ones nobody can be unfairly targeted we are all just kind of one massive entity um i see that something something about like the idea of the miles morales spider-man i feel like could work for that and it's cooler than guy fox yeah 100 <laughs> percent um uh from one kind of uplifting kind of positive story uh in a in a in a sea of negativity and horrible bullshit to uh to uh, a a uh, a negative story um in a sea of negative horrible bullshit uh so they're coming out with some new looney tunes cartoons they're doing uh several new shorts uh for hbo max exclusively and uh you know since it's interesting because since the um since looney tunes kind of became a part of our contemporary pop cultural zeitgeist from being rerun in the 90s on Cartoon Network like you know these 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 shorts were 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 created for movie theaters in the 1930s and 40s and yet we are all very familiar with and nostalgic for Looney Tunes because in the 90s they got the 
licenses to those catalogs and they played them on TV over and over again. And we all saw them as kids. Um, <coughs> but since then, you know, in the years since then, they've tried to um, continue capitalizing off of that property and make new Looney Tunes things. Obviously, the one of the most notable ones is Space Jam. Um, but for TV, you know, they've reboot. They've tried to do shows and reboots of Looney Tunes several times over the years. But they always do them in, in this way that I feel like, you know, just doesn't necessarily like those old cartoons were, you know, they were they were kind of like zany screwball physical comedies. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the attempts that they've made at like rebooting Looney Tunes have been like trying to like turn them into more of a modern kind of sitcom -y type cartoon. Like a like a family guy, not a family guy, but you know, like like current cartoons that you see, you know, episodic but story based, and it's about characters interacting and a and a, and a plot and things like that, which really wasn't what those old, early cartoons were about. Um, but a lot of the newer attempts at Looney Tunes have been kind of like that, and I feel like there's been so many iterations of it over the years, and none of them have ever really stuck um, or really taken off or be, been popular because I just don't really think they resonate with anybody. Um, so these new shorts for HBO Max are throwing back to the original kind of essence of what Looney Tunes was, which is these, these action and action based screwball physical comedies. Um, but along with that comes all of the baggage of what those cartoons were really, when you think about it, which is a lot of violence, a lot of, Things that just would not be deemed necessary for uh, a kid in today's modern society. Uh, mm -hmm. And one of those things that uh, people are really freaking out about is that in this new version of Looney Tunes, um, there's not going to be any guns. So Elmer <laughs> Fudd and, uh, and Yosemite Sam, uh, uh, in addition to other characters and aspects of these shorts, but most notably those two, um, just aren't going to have guns. Uh, Elmer Fudd, instead of having his rifle, he's going to have a scythe. And <laughs> and uh, Yosemite Sam is just not going to have guns. And uh, people are freaking out about it. They're saying like, oh, it's PC culture, uh, you know, ruining something, you know, ruining my childhood. <laughs> like this is censorship. This is bullshit. This is just like, SJWs and helicopter parents and things like that. Like there's there's just a huge backlash against this. Um and as as an example, here's just one random example of a tweet of somebody uh complaining about this. Uh some random tweet. Elmer Fudd doesn't have a gun in the new Looney Tunes cartoon because the creators don't support the Second Amendment. Pathetic. Isn't the whole point of this character that he hunts uh Waskawi Wabbits? Or are they getting rid of his speech impediment because it's offensive too? Um, and there's a lot of there's a there's a lot of sentiment about that. Uh, the SJWs, the you know the it's overly PC culture ruining my childhood, you know so on and so forth. Um, and you know, I'm I'm of I'm of two minds on it. In mm -hmm. concept, I don't favor censorship, uh, and. Uh, I, I, you know, I, the, the, the concept on its face is not appealing to me. Uh, however, in, in, um, you know, taking it out of the abstract and into the tangible, 
as a parent, uh, I, de I definitely don't want my kids watching stuff with guns and things like that. Like, like I, I, you know, I watched that stuff when I was a kid and I'm fine with it and I don't think it like ruined me or anything like that. But, you know, we, we, we evolve as a society. We, we, we change, we grow, we learn from our past mistakes and we learn what is and isn't good to do. And we're always learning. We're never, we're never, we have never perfected it, but every year we learn new things and we, we grow and we evolve. And, you know, despite the fact that I grew up watching that stuff and other stuff from the nineties that also had a lot of violence in it. And I think I turned out fine. You know, I still have a lot of internalized violence inside of me that is a result of that type of stuff. And, things that you know is similar to the conversation about racism that was going on right now like these things that you just you know you 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 are not above them you 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 can never be outside of them because they've just been ingrained in you for your entire life and so regardless of the fact that i think in general i'm a fairly i'm not a violent person i'm not an angry person i i i uh i'm not I'm not driven to anger e easily. I don't solve problems with violence, but I still, you know, have internalized perceptions of, of violence and, and its role in society, just like anybody else. And, you know, it's always been really important to me, despite the fact that I kind of dislike censorship in, in the abstract. Uh, yeah, this doesn't feel like censorship to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. ultimately, ultimately, <clears throat> it yeah. It's not since it's it's no. it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I what I'm saying is I I understand the concept behind like this is how it was mm -hmm. and now you're gonna do it but you're gonna change it to this other thing. I understand that in the abstract, but in the tangible, it's it's just kind of an absurd thing to me. And you know, as a parent, like, so what's absurd to you? I'm not, I'm confused. Which part is absurd? This being to you? an issue at all. Oh, like, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Um, and and as a parent, you know, I, I I don't want my I don't want my kids being exposed to violence and guns and things like that. Like my 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 son, I you know, we did a relatively good job of not inundating him with that kind of internalized violence and sort of like reverence for like wanting to play games where you kill people and shoot people and things like that and. And then he started going to preschool and, you know, one day he just started wanting, like having guns and want and saying like this shoe was a gun and wanting to shoot people. And it actually really, it, it, it angered me because I was just like, fuck, like we, I mean, obviously you can't shelter your kids forever. And there's a certain point where you just kind of have to let go. But we did such a good job of not in like normalizing this to him. And then he goes to preschool for like a month and suddenly he's like, I want to kill you with a gun. It's like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what, what, all what, that work. What, what was even the point of doing this? We paid all this money just to have him get fucked up like this. I think for me, I, why it's so stupid that people are like, oh, you can't do this. This is wrong. It's still going to be the same cartoon. It's not yeah. going to change. It's still going to be right. funny and well, wacky which, and silly. It's which, just like, what are you bitching about? Yeah. Speaking of which, let's let's quickly take a look at this. Uh, there's a little one minute short that kind of showcases what, what we're talking about here. Oh, cool. Classic jam.
funny, the funny thing to me, the funny thing about that to me is that despite the fact that they've removed the gun, so you know, Elmer Fudd is chasing Bugs Bunny around <laughs> in the very beginning with a scythe. Which yeah. is an odd choice for a it's weapon. It's a very odd choice. You super have many weird. different. It's super weird. I'm glad um, it's not a gun, but super odd. Uh, yeah. But it, but despite the fact that they've repl- they've gotten rid of the gun, it's still just an incredibly violent cartoon where he's like, I mean, first of all, the scythe, like that's almost worse to me. Like, yeah, he was like, yeah. that would be brutal if he got a hold of him and just fucking decapitated him with a scythe. <laughs> It's very devil worshipy. Yeah, and yeah. then he, and then he like he's just blowing him up with dynamite. Like it's still like oh, it's no. still yeah. a ridiculously violent cartoon. Yeah, but that's and what's it, great, people. Yeah. That's why I'm like, why are you complaining? That's literally the same thing we saw as kids. Yeah. It's the same thing. There's no difference. So if yeah, you're like, no, oh, he needs his gun back. No, he yeah. doesn't. It's the same shit. Does he though? No. Or are you just holding on to something as some sort of contrarian fucking? Oh, you feel like he needs his gun? No, I'm saying that to. I'm saying that to these hypothetical. Okay, he's saying that to whatever Lowe's worker. (laughs) In lighter news, Neko wafers are coming back. (laughs) Boo! Fuck Neko wafers. Hootie hoo! Wait. That means the police are here. The the mouth police. <laughs> the mouth police arresting you for flavorless candy. This Zing. is not good. Uh, you will. Soon I love s- Neko wafers. You Neko soon- wafers are Maylocks uh, without the benefit of settling your stomach. Thinking that Neko wafers are bad is a trash opinion for for conformists. <laughs> Necco uh, wafers is a trash candy for people bit, who don't know flavor. Necco, wa- uh, I can't. Hating Necco wafers is such a cliche. Yeah, it's such a cliche. <laughs> like I used to Neko, hate Necco wafers when I was twelve. Like, liking Necco wafers is basic. You basic. You basic. But Learn flavor. Scary. No, it's the opposite. No, hating, it's not. No, Learn hating, flavor. Hating Necco wafers is the basic thing. Like, everybody says that. It's like this cliche thing. Like, oh, Necco wafers are gross old people candy. It's it, not that, old people candy. It's gross candy. That's the basic thing. The basic thing is hating them. It's No, it's the correct thing because that's the correct response. Oh it's my like, God. should you drink water all the time? Yes. Are Necco wafers a dumpster fire? Yes. Same thing. Here's the Who thing. Here's the thing. Whether whether or not you like Necco wafers or not, it's fine. Like we, everything is subjective. But one no. thing that has to be established is hating Necco wafers is the basic thing. That's the yeah. thing. That's that's the basic thing. Everybody says that. It's it's like saying Nickelback sucks or like like it's it's one of those cliches that everybody says. It's not a cliche if it's true. Oh. But personally, I love Necco wafers. Yeah. You love and, anything candy-wise. I've always been a, a Necco wafer supporter. I've always That's railed true. against the Necco wafer hate. I love all kinds of candies like this. I love Necco wafers. I love circus peanuts. I love Canadian mints. I love Werther's Originals. What I, is a Canadian mint? It's uh, it's another one of the, it's another one of the. It's candy, a mint that candies. has insurance. Zing! 
Uh, you look tan as shit, Kurt. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you were doing. Your legs look I, really like, tan, man. <laughs> I was jogging. Or it's you, the darkness. Did you get? Did you? Did you get? Uh, alone or what? What the fuck was that show called? Did you get? Uh, I can't remember the name of the show. Did you do that thing where you went to that clinic and had them like replace you with a clone? <laughs> the, the Paul Rudd show. Uh, alone, yeah, I'm with, sure you're talking alone about with myself or whatever it's called. Alone? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Were you trying to say, did I get alone with myself? Yeah. <laughs> or did he get alone with himself? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've, I've, I, I love all those ca- the, Canadian mints, and they're all, they're all, um, candies that are produced by the same company, basically. Uh, all, all of these candies were, uh, were produced by uh, Spang- Spangler Candy, which is. Which is this candy uh, company that has existed for literally like hundreds of years mm-hmm. and has been producing these candies? And they, uh, a vi- like a couple years ago, they finally like shut down production on all of them uh, due to lack of sales, um, which obviously had been a long time coming over over across hundreds of years of the waning of popularity. Uh, but I've always I've always been a big fan of these types of candies. Uh, I, I, lo- I love all these and uh, one time uh, at at, uh, at, our, at our company back in the day one of our writers wrote an article about how terrible all these candies were and while I did not censor him and refuse to publish it <laughs> I, I went to CVS and bought bags of all these candies I bought a bunch of Necco wafers, a bunch of Canadian mints, a bunch of circus peanuts, and I brought them back, and I made everybody have them. I made everybody try I remember them. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> I take a circus peanut over a Necco wafer. I would. Once, once again, there's no accounting for taste, but hating Necco wafers is the basic thing. It's the truth, and I stand by it. Uh, I will agree that I don't like I don't like uh, circus peanuts. They taste weird. Fuck you, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will admit that I hate I hate with a burning passion deep in my soul. I hate um, black licorice and Necco wafer makes the worst black black licorice flavored tasting thing in in the history of existence. It's, it's one. An- t- it's like licking a deodorant stick when you put it on my mouth. It, I hate black licorice Neckos. It's a Necco wafer, the flavor of black licorice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's just like three realms of hell. I'm 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 fine with black licorice. If it, you don't you you don't even know until you've had like actual authentic like uh, black licorice from Finland, which is like hipster foodie. Salt. Hipster foodie, it's, it's, right it's like there. Salty. I'm not. I'm not saying in a good way. I'm saying like it's really bad. Like, oh, okay. It's like gotcha. it's like salty. Like the real black, <laughs> the real black licorice that's like from the place where it was invented and shit. It's like salty and like weird. It's just it's it's weird. It's it's fucking. You're weird. salty and weird. I, Kirk, I, I you am. are feisty today. What is going on? I'm telling no. you, he got he got cloned. He thinks <laughs> he thinks he went to a, re, a rejuvenation clinic where they basically just like altered his DNA to make him, you know, feel better. But in reality, the real Kirk is dead in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> and <laughs> Oh my yep. God. Yeah, that's what happened. 
Have you not seen that show? Yeah, it's a good I only show. watched the first episode. I didn't know there was a real one. Dead yeah, it's a good ditch. show. Yeah, he 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 goes to this clinic that is supposed to be like supposed to like rejuvenate you, but in reality, what they do is they clone you and then they kill your original self. But then he like doesn't actually die. Like they they don't do it properly or something like yeah. that. So he just wakes up like in a ditch out in the woods, <laughs> and then it's all about him just coexisting with his clone. Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, yeah. Uh, they officially announced Sonic the Hedgehog 2 coming to theaters. Uh, the furry blue blur will race back onto the big screen as the box office success of Sonic the Hedgehog has spurred Paramount Pictures to begin work on the sequel to the hit family film focused on Sega's video game mascot. Uh, the film's financial success had most people assuming a sequel announcement was forthcoming. But with theaters closed and production halted, the timeline for getting anything in front of a camera is kind of up in the air. That doesn't stop filmmakers from getting things off the ground, and that's the current plan. With Jeff Fowler directing and Pat Casey and Josh Miller writing the script at present. Um, uh, here's how Paramount Pictures describes the movie. Based on the global blockbuster video game franchise from Sega, Sonic the Hedgehog tells the story of, of the world's speediest hedgehog as he embraces his new home on Earth. In this live-action adventure comedy, Sonic and his best friend Tom, played by James Marsden, played by Living LaCroix. James, Living LaCroix? James what? Marsden. What uh, does that mean? Just, just That's a, amazing. <laughs> also, was that... What is this? Was that timelock? He's oh. doing timelock. Wait a minute, is that <laughs> just playing that? the Kirk scene? Is that yeah. the guy? Is that the guy from True Blood? No, that right there with the long hair. Yeah. No, that's Jeff Speakman, the perfect weapon. Oh, I thought it, the I, perfect weapon. He looked like the guy from True Blood to me. I was like, were you in the movie with that guy? <laughs> no, no, no. Jeff Speakman is a martial arts guy who was the perfect weapon in like 1990. Oh shit. Um. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm distracted so by uh, <laughs> by, by time, the genius of Time Lock. Um, I'm telling you, get Time Lock in theaters. I'm out the door today. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they they team up to defend the planet from the evil genius, uh, Doctor Robotnik or Eggman, his real name, and his plans for world domination. The family friendly film also stars Taika Sumpter and Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic. Um. Yeah. So you know, both all, of them. Yeah, they just combine their voices. <laughs> Actually, that's that's funny because that was the uh, BB-8 from Star Wars, from uh, you know, the 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 three new Star Wars <laughs> movies. Uh, yes. He, at least in uh, maybe not in the second two, but in the first one, in the Force Awakens, <laughs> he was voiced by two people. He was voiced. Oh shit! He was voiced by um Ben Schwartz. He was voiced by Ben Schwartz and Bill H Hader. Huh. They, wow. they, yeah, they both they basically both got called into uh, vo uh, voice recording sessions and they both just made a bunch of weird noises and things like that. And then they took the two sessions and they combined them. And That's so amazing. and so BB-8's voice is a combination of Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. Oh, huh. even crazier. They split the they split the fee of one person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah. So, I mean, we, we kind of knew that was going to come. Obviously, the, the first one was a big financial success, but it's still cool to see it officially confirmed. I'm pretty excited. Uh, aside from the fact that, as I talked about on, the, on a, uh, several episodes ago, I'm really excited about future sequels to this movie because it seemed like they set up in the first one. As much as the first one was kind of like a relatively generic, family-friendly a version of Sonic that really doesn't delve into the deeper canon of Sonic the Hedgehog. It set it up at the end like it was going to. Like in future sequels, they're going to get into the lore and the canon, which is really exciting to me. Um, and also, uh, you know, due to the circumstances of how I saw it, which was uh, it came out on Valentine's Day. My birthday is on February 23rd. My son's birthday is on February 24th. And so on our birthdays, uh, which I think it was, I think we celebrated it on my birthday or something. Um, yeah, because we had a we had a party for him on his birthday. But on my birthday, we did this elaborate scavenger hunt uh, that lasted the entire day. That was all set up by my wife with all these clues, and we had to go around the city pre-pandemic world where you could do that, um, and it all culminated in seeing Sonic the Hedgehog. So I will forever associate it with that and it will truly go down in history as like one of my most cherished movie theater and movie experiences of all time. Disney, so do you, oh, sorry, uh, go ahead. Do you think they should hire that company that went under to and, and kind of fund their 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 Well the I uh, mean the issue with that which we talked about on that episode is that that wouldn't even necessarily help them because the way that they do it is um they they have a set budget for visual effects and and they never they never find more money for that so if they run out of money in the budget they don't go into the studio and ask for more they make the visual effects studio pay out of pocket basically <laughs> and they also do a bidding system right. so they they give the job to the lowest bidder so the people who win the job are typically given a much lower budget than they than they know that they need for it because they're just trying to get the job they they they're they're bidding lower than they know they need because they just want to get the job and it's so competitive that from the very beginning they're just like we don't have enough money to do this so it's 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 a foregone conclusion at the beginning of the process that they're going to have to pay out of pocket they're going to have to take funds and revenues from their own company and put them into the visual effects with the promise that they'll make it up somehow, whether they do some kind of back-end deal to get a percentage of the revenue from the movie or if the studio agrees to pay them back later or what, you know, whatever the thing, like they, they basically do it on, a, a, they, 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 they execute this, this medium risk to high risk gamble that they're going to make their money back uh, just to get the job. So even if they did that, it might not necessarily help them because they're they're still they're still in this dynamic in this in this uh, in this paradigm where they're gonna have to bid low to get the job. They're gonna have to be given less budget than they know that they need to actually do the job, and then they're gonna have to pay out of pocket. So it could just end up fucking them over worse. Doesn't. Uh... When doesn't the opening of Hedgehog seem like nine years ago? Yes. 
It was February. Like I said, so like I like I said, ago. like I said, I I we, we we went around to this elaborate scavenger hunt that was set up by my wife, like literally going to people's houses, yeah, and going to restaurants and like it's it's just something that you could it's a different world from yeah. that. Yeah. It might as well have been <coughs> 1917. Yeah. It's so long ago. So much has happened. I don't think it was 1917. Wasn't that when the Spanish flu was happening? That was 1918. Oh! Yeah. See? So, so they got you, Tyler. Yeah. Think before you speak. Zing! Um, uh, Disney is developing a feature-length musical based on Lionel Richie's greatest hits. Goddamn right it is. The hits! Disney Studios is in early stages of development on All Night Long, a film inspired <laughs> by the greatest hits by music icon Lionel Richie. Richie, who currently serves as a judge on Disney ABC's American Idol, and his manager Bruce Eskowitz will produce alongside Dana Brunetti and Matt Del Piano of, uh, man, these are some Italian Del, Yeah, Del Piano, yeah. Uh, uh, Crazy Rich Agents co-star Pete Chirelli is crafting the screenplay. What? Oh, co-writer. I was like, co-star. Um, which is said to be more in the vein of Mamma Mia. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. My, my son will certainly be happy about this news because uh, we play a game where I hold him upside down and have him walk on the ceiling as I, as I sing, Oh, what a feeling as I'm walking on the ceiling. And it's his favorite he, thing. He knows. I'm uh, I'm here for this, even though I don't care about musicals that much, and I'd never see Mamma Mia. But I really hope they do some deep cuts. I want some Lionel Richie deep cuts. I don't want all the hits. Like there's going to be hits, but let's get some deep cuts. Love will find a way. You are. Tyler has no idea what I'm saying. Nah, it's like my one. It's 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 a it's a real pitfall of mine. It's, that you don't understand the work of Lionel Richie. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I've never really listened to Lionel. It Richie. haunts him every day. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to uh, throw in some Commodores. I love the Commodores. I mean, I wonder what the I wonder what the uh, legality, the licensing situation around that would be. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if if Lionel wrote one of the songs, I guess he would be. They would be allowed to. I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, I don't think he wrote Brick House though. So. No well, who the fuck cares? Uh, who the fuck cares? You got machine gun. You got slippery when it's wet. You got easy. You got sail on. Come on, You're right. okay. lady. Yeah, I'll I'll see this. It's not like it's, it. it's not my fa- it's not my like most exciting news in the world, but it sounds cool. It's more exciting than Mecca wafers. Hiya. Ah! No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You got me. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling has been cast. Oh, you said that name right. (laughs) What name did I say wrong? Oh, all those all those Italian names. Yeah. Sorry. Go Go ahead. Listen, you, you you heard it here first with all that's going on in the world. 
I denounce all of it, but one thing I will say, fuck Italians. No. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh my God. Oh, You're never my allowed at Little Tony's again. <laughs> oh my God, Andrew. <laughs> my my wife is Italian. Um fucking a fagool over here, you know what I'm saying, huh? This is you're not making it better. <laughs> oh. Um uh Ryan Gosling will become uh has been cast as the Wolfman. Uh according to Variety, Ryan Gosling has signed on to headline Universal's latest version of the Wolfman. He'll be working from a script by Orange is the New Black scribes Lauren Sh- uh Bloom and Rebecca Angelo. And while no director has signed on to helm the project yet, it's believed that Corey Finley, who recently received rave reviews for the Hugh Jackman starring Bad Education, is currently the frontrunner. Um, and here's another intriguing thing. It is, it's unknown what the new take on Wolfman will look like, though it is believed to be set in present time and in the vein of Jake Gyllenhaal's thriller Nightcrawler with an obvious supernatural twist. Nightcrawler is um, a great movie. Yeah, I mean, well, I fucking love Nightcrawler. I'll, yeah, I'll absolutely. Just, I'll just get that out of the way. But also, you know, from what it sounds like, what it feels like, this movie is being developed in the spirit of the Invisible Man movie that came out that was uh, starring oh, Elizabeth Moss yeah. and directed right, right, by Lee Winnell. Right. And, uh, you know, kind of having that similar feel of like taking the, the, the classic universal monsters and then uh, putting them into a more modern context with perhaps some kind of current up to date, like social or social commentary in it that's more relevant to uh, modern times, kind of how the Invisible Man movie was basically about gaslighting. That, that was what that whole movie was. Right. Um, and it sounds like this will be like kind of a similar thing. And if that's the case, like, fuck yeah. Like, I, like, I love me some Ryan. Yeah. My boy Ryan. Yeah. My boy Rye Rye. My boy Rye Bread. Yeah. What's like, good for the geese is good for the gosling. Ryan Gosling, Hello. more like Goss King. Yes. Yep. Love me some Rye Rye. Love me some Wolfman. He's not my favorite Universal monster, although respect goes to Lon Chaney Jr., your legend. Uh, I, I'm more of a, I'm a little bit more of a, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved Frankenstein's monster. Uh, as an adult, I've kind of more resonated with the Invisible Man, but uh, uh, I still love the Wolfman, love Universal monsters, some of my favorite shit in the entire world. Uh, I love- Literally 30 seconds ago, I thought we were talking about Wolverine. I just got that Invisible wow. Man. God I just damn got it, Kurt. I'm still here for it, ah. but I just realized that it was Wolfman and not Wolverine. Okay, that's good, too. Uh, that's good, too. Ryan that's Go- good, too. I don't think Ryan Gosling could pull off Wolverine. I don't think he could. He's, oh, he's I think Canadian. he could. He's got that going for him. Okay, Wolf, Wolfman. I got it. Okay, all right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Um... I'm kind of going through these a little quick because there's there's more than normal. Um, uh, Sega has announced a palm-sized Game Gear micro console. Um, a set of palm-sized Game Gear micro consoles has been revealed as part of Sega's 60th anniversary. And for context, in the last couple of years, there's been this fad of uh, video game companies releasing like classic consoles in from their history as these like mini versions. So we had the NES Classic which was the original Nintendo Entertainment Console, but it's a tiny little thing about this size. 
and it had all these Nintendo games like preloaded onto it. And then they did the Super Nintendo Classic, which was the same concept. And then um, Sony did the PlayStation Classic, which was the same concept, a tiny little PlayStation 1 with games preloaded onto it. And then uh, Sega did the Sega Genesis uh, or Master Drive Classic same concept so this became kind of a fad and it, it got so popular that there was a while where like you just could not find a super nintendo classic like everybody was always sold out of them they were selling on ebay for like an exorbitant amount of money like they only cost like a hundred bucks or something like that or maybe even less and then they were selling on on ebay for like five hundred thousand you know crazy shit um and uh now they're doing sega's doing the game gear which was you know back in the day game gear was you know their answer to the game boy it was supposed to be the game boy killer because their whole gimmick was the game boy you know you've you've, you've played the game boy you've played you've seen games on the game boy at the time back in the day you you had arcade games which were kind of like the pinnacle of graphical technology and then you had um uh, and then also PC games, which were similar in, in, in that regard. And then the next rung down, you had console games. You had the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo or whatever it was. And those were like the best graphical experience you could have in your home. And then the next rung down was the Game Boy, which is like, you know, the, the, the Nintendo was 8-bit. The uh, Super Nintendo was 16-bit. Game Boys were 4-bit. Uh, and, you know the graphical ability of them was much lower. They, you know, very, very uh, minimal pixels. Uh, you know, the early one wasn't even in color. So it was an obvious step down in quality, but it was, you know, for portability. It's like you could take video games wherever you go. And then um, Sega's whole thing with the Master, or the, the Game Gear was, it was basically a portable Genesis. Like it, it boasted the same graphical quality and technology as the as the genesis so you could take the full quality full color 16-bit graphics with you the only problem was it was giant it was like the game gear was fucking huge it wasn't it was it was one step of it was one tiny step away from not being portable um but now they're coming out with the micro so it's just basically like it looks like the original game gear but tiny and um, the the name of the game with these is that they come preloaded with games. So there's four different versions of the system. They are uh, definitely a little on the expensive side. They're 50 bucks per thing. So, and they all have different games on them. So in order to actually get all the games, you would have to, uh, you'd have to pay $200 essentially, um, which is steep. Um, yeah. But... The games are the black version has Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Poyo Poyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. The blue version has Sonic and Tails, which is Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, Baku Baku Animal. The yellow version has Shining Force 1 and 2, Shining Force Galden, Final Conflict, and uh, Nazo Poyo uh, Arle no Ru. Uh, I'm not familiar with that game. That, I, I've never I'm heard of any that. of these. Um, and then uh, the red version has Revolution, Revelations, the Demon Slayer, uh, Megami Tensei Gaiden, Last Bible Special, uh, the GG Shinobi, and Columns. So yeah, it looks like you know if you want to go for more kind of classic platformers and puzzle games, 
Uh, you want to go for the black or the blue edition because you got Sonic the Hedgehog on there. You got Poyo Poyo, which is kind of like a puzzle game. Um, you've got Gunstar Heroes, which is like a on-rail shooter um, and some other platformers and puzzle games. And then if you want to go for like more RPGs, then you want to get the yellow and red version. You got Shining Force, which is a tactical RPG uh, franchise. Um, you got um, a Megami Tensei uh, game, which is Shin Megami Tensei is a RPG franchise um, and uh, a couple other more RPG or kind of tactical based games. I've never heard of Natsu Poyo Arl Noru though, or however you pronounce that. Uh, so yeah, they're coming out with these. Uh, <laughs> like, I in a in a rare in a in a rare diversion for my normal uh, my normal stance on this whole thing. I've never seen the appeal of these of these things these mini classic systems because i grew up in a time period where i had thousands of roms and with 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 emulators on my computer so i had you know i had a nintendo emulator i had a super nintendo emulator a, a genesis emulator uh you know game boy emulator game gear emulator all these different emulators and thousands and thousands of roms so the idea of getting a couple ROMs for $50 just seems just absurd to me as somebody who grew up in a time where there was unlimited access to free old school retro video games. And yes, it is piracy. When I was a kid, it was so easy to do and no, you know, Hey nope. man, you better be careful. Nobody knew the full severity of how illegal it was, let alone a kid. And it was so easy to do that it was completely normalized to me. You know, now I recognize uh, that it's piracy, but at the time I didn't. And that's when I grew up. And so, you know, I can't, I can't avoid or help the fact that the idea of paying $50 for four ROMs seems like one of the most absurd concepts in the world to me. That, I mean, if, yeah, I, we're not endorsing this in any way, but that are still available online if people were to pirate them kind of i mean in general they're, yeah they're, they're, you can definitely find roms and emulators online but it's it's definitely gotten harder to track down like over the years you know they've just more and more cracked down on these on these torrent and uh piracy sites and it, it gets harder and harder every year to actually find stuff <coughs> There was actually a huge, uh, there was a huge website, a huge ROM website. Uh, I forget the name of it, uh, but it had been around for years, and it was it was basically like the main hub for you had everything there. You could get anything you wanted, and uh, it recently got shuttered, like late ish last year. The government took it down, finally. Well, um. <clears throat> Uh, uh, Marvel Studios is regaining the rights to Daredevil in six months. Um, essentially, whenever uh, Marvel did the deal with Netflix of uh, producing those shows, <clears throat> uh, Daredevil and then eventually Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and the Defenders and Iron Fist and all those things, part of the contract was that 
they would not be able to use the characters in anything else for two years after the cancellation of the shows, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a smart uh, piece bit of contract. Yeah, makes it's, sense. It's, it's an insurance policy to basically say like, you can't just easily cut and run. If if you cancel these shows, it's a commitment. Like you are locked in to. You can either keep producing the show, keep making money from the show, keep capitalizing off the IP, or if you want to cancel it, these characters just have to sit in limbo for two years, which makes it. It's been two years. Yeah, yeah. six months. It makes yeah. it. It makes it uh, more difficult of a decision to commit to to cancel the show. Uh, it's kind kind of a it's a it's a smart tactical move on Netflix's part. Um, but uh, back in 2018, whenever they announced the cancellation of Daredevil, I think everyone wondered why it why like why did this yeah. come out? It, it came out of nowhere seemingly. The show was very popular. It did well, and it wasn't finished. Like the show, the story wasn't finished, and it felt out of nowhere that it just got canceled but now in retrospect we know why we we know exactly why they canceled it when they canceled it because they knew that disney plus plus was going to launch they knew when it was going to launch and the whole thing was based around this idea of like we need to cancel this now so that when we get to this point in time we will have the rights back we're not going to wait and let this show do another season or whatever we need to we need to start the timer as soon as possible so that we can get the rights back in anticipation of doing something on our streaming platform. And now so, that's that's finally happening. Uh, six months is whenever they're uh, the rights to Daredevil are reverting back to Marvel slash Disney. And uh, around that same time, also Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, uh, um, because they were canceled around the same time. And then uh, oh no, uh, it's it's a uh, Luke Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist are gonna be up in six months. And then Jessica Jones and the Punisher will be up in early 2021 because they were canceled later. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Does this mean they have to completely recreate the show on Disney Plus? Or are they just gonna uh continue it like um uh arrested development style? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether they'll want to like bring the show back on their platform or if they just want the characters back for use in some other new thing not really sure if they rebooted like i loved luke cage and if they're gonna like reboot new cage luke cage and do like the whole thing over again i don't want to go through that just give me my give me the luke cage that was already there because it was great and then just shift it to the disney plus platform and tell a new story yeah. Don't make me go through it again. Yeah. I don't have it in me. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what they did with, you know, the, the refreshing thing about uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is <clears throat> after after countless Spider-Man reboots, whenever, whenever Marvel partnered with Sony to do a Marvel Studios developed Spider-Man movie, they made the brilliant decision to just skip over the origin story. Yeah, and fuck it. Exactly. We, you've already heard it a million times. Yeah. We're just skipping that part. Yeah. We're just, we're starting the movie. He's already Spider-Man. He's already been Spider-Man. He's already had the origin story. You you get it. We're starting here. So, you know, hopefully they're smart enough to do something similar. Um, 
And then last story before we take a quick break. Uh, um, we've talked about it a couple times on the show that they, you know, they're developing a new Evil Dead movie, but it's not going to be, you know, the sort of original canon of Evil Dead movies with uh, Bruce Campbell as Ash in the movie. It's going to be kind of like other another continuity, another franchise of Evil Dead that's still going to be produced by Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, but directed by somebody else and written by somebody else and starring different people. And um, Bruce Campbell uh, recently confirmed uh, that the uh, the name of the new Evil Dead movie or Evil Dead 4 um, is uh, Evil Dead Now. He said, uh, we're just getting off the phone with Lee Cronin, who is writing and directing the next Evil Dead. It's called Evil Dead Now. Sam handpicked Lee. Uh, he did a cool movie called The Hole in the Ground. We're going to get that sucker out as soon as practical. Uh, from this point forward, they kind of have to stand on their own, which is fine and liberating. Uh, you could have different heroes, different heroines in this case. The one's got to be a little bit, this one's got to be a little bit more dynamic. Uh, we just want to keep the, the series current. And the mantra really is that our heroes and heroines are just regular people. That's what we're going to continue. So, we're, yeah, we're getting another Evil Dead movie. It's not going to be sort of an Evil Dead movie as we envision it. It's not going to have Ash. It's not going to have Bruce Campbell. It's produced by them. It's not going to be directed by Sam Raimi. Uh, he's too busy fucking directing Doctor Strange 2, motherfuckers. Hey. Um, uh, so, you know, it's kind of in the line with the other. There was, a, there, was a, there was an Evil Dead reboot that came out in like 2012 or something. More in line with that. Uh, so you know, I'll see it. Yeah, not like hugely definitely. excited about it, but I'll see it. I'm glad for people who want to see it. Uh, you sound like Kelby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> mindset. And uh, on that note, if I can find it, I always forget to bring this up. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, watch a special trailer, and then we're going to do our regular segment, Can You Go For That? Yeah! And we're back. And uh, now we're going to have a, have, a, have a special treat. Whee! We're going we're gonna to watch a new trailer for something, which I have not even watched yet is despite the fact that i am so excited about it i held off on watching it for now so i've decided same to go man. into this one cold um, same god gave rock and roll to you gave rock and roll to you gave rock and roll to everyone and now we're gonna watch the trailer for bill and ted three Bill and Ted face the music. <clears throat> 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barso, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to do? <laughs> it makes me so happy. Party on. <laughs> oh. You were supposed to unite the world and save reality as we know it. 
Mario. We've spent our whole life trying to write the song that will unite the world. Why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? Whoa! Take it from ourselves! But isn't that stealing? How is that stealing? Uh. We're stealing it from ourselves, dude. <laughs> 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 Those are some jack dudes. Well, how'd you like our song? Just a little on the dark side, but you know, that's cool. <laughs> oh. Yes! Oh my gosh. I'm so fucking excited. Oh. That was I I don't think I've ever experienced a feeling like that before. Really? <clears throat> I really enjoy it. Um I'm not. Cool. Andrew, are you there? Because you froze. Oh yeah, sorry. I'm. I'm using my phone as a webcam, and it looks like it. <laughs> he's kinda... lying to us right now. He creamed his pants and he's cleaning it up. Oh, I mean that definitely happened. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll just switch back to my. Okay. I don't. Okay, I have some questions. Because I don't want to poop on anyone's parade here. Because I'll, I do I'll, like. I'll poop into your fucking mouth <laughs> and sew it shut, Kirk. Don't that's my fuck with this. <laughs> that's my parade. <laughs> um, no, I, is that a, a teaser trailer or the full trailer? It's. I mean, it's it's the it, it it's it's labeled as official trailer number one, but it's pretty much a teaser. Okay, because I was like, the, I the, didn't the get first a good trailers are always a little teasery. It felt teasery to me, so that was my first thing. Um. So I'm kind of like, I'm a wait and see because I didn't get enough. But what I saw, I was like, yeah, okay. I like Bill and Ted. I mean, I was like 18 or 19 when the first movie came out, so I'm the right age. But I, part of me goes, oh, wow, we're, they're old. They're old, man. I, I, had, I just had the opposite reaction. I, I just, I, it wasn't even, because, I mean, obviously we've seen Keanu Reeves on screen all the yeah. time. So yeah. seeing him... I love Keanu Reeves, but seeing him in and of itself was not super anything. But seeing Alex Winter on screen mm -hmm. and seeing the two of them together, I got like chills. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, are we doing predictions for what we think is going to happen? Because I think I have it. I have no idea. Honestly, I, no I want to hear yours because you weirdly, as much as like, We've always sort of like <laughs> demonized you as having these like crazy uh, conspiracy theory predictions about things that are just so wildly off. Like you've actually been right multiple times. Yeah, a lot of times <laughs> you're spot on, which is weird. Uh, they, so just what I heard so far, they are tasked or supposed to be tasked with saving reality as we know it. And they're back in the uh, time traveling phone box. So... Uh, I think they're going to travel into different uh, time periods, but it's going to be them going to uh, themselves in different futures and hearing each one of those uh, songs that they create in each different futures and fixing the reality that is caving in on itself. That's what I think is going to happen. That sounds pretty plausible. I, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> can stand behind that. Based on what that. we saw. That's what I got. I love. I, I love it. I would. Every fiber of my being, and I cannot wait. I will. I will go to every uh, theater in America to see this. Does this bring you out of uh, quarantine? 
Andrew. It, Absolutely. It, it might, man. It might. I, yeah. I had this realization several years ago. It just kind of dawned on me that my entire sensibility as a human being, <laughs> everything that I like and also everything that I like to make, every type of story that I like to tell, it's it, it's it can all be traced back to Bill and Ted. Absolutely. Particularly the second one. Like, really? Second yeah. one's good. I like the second one. It, yeah. It like shaped my entire <laughs> pop cultural self. Mm -hmm. I love it. So I'm excited. Well, I'm 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 excited, but I'm reserved because I bring, need to see more. They're bringing back death. They better bring back fucking station. I love that they brought back death. William Adler. Yep. Dude's great. Yeah. I, I'm glad I waited on that one. I what <laughs> what in what way are they going to like uh allude to George Carlin is my is my Yeah, point. I mean they definitely gotta do something that in that. Yeah, regard. they gotta do something. <clears throat> it's a good question. Pay homage, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah. I think they will. Yeah. Ooh. Gotta, Andrew, yeah, you need, Andrew needs a sec. Sorry, that. you know, good uh, co-hosts and and people on the show will find a way to lead into the next segment. I feel like that's on us, Kirk. We really <laughs> never like give him anything to go off. Of. Um, no, that's on him. Yeah. So, uh, apropos of no segue whatsoever, <laughs> it's time to do our regular segment where we speculate on rumors and unsubstantiated stories and discuss whether we think it's a good idea or not. That segment is called... Can you go for that? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh can oh, you, can you? can you go for that? Oh, oh, this is the remix. Can you go for that? Can you okay. go for that? This is the remix. Can you go for that? I liked it. Yeah. I can go for that remix. Thank you. A uh, couple stories here. Actually, we have, we have a good amount. We have three. We usually only have like one or two. Um, the first one. So uh, it has been confirmed that uh, it, part of this is confirmed, but the other part of it is the part that's like a rumor or unsubstantiated. So it's been confirmed that Evan Peters, who, if you're unfamiliar, Evan Peters is an actor who uh, played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies. So, uh, First Class, Days of Future Past. I mean, was he in First Class? I forget. He was definitely in Days of Future Past. Um, and uh, he was in X-Men Apocalypse. And he was in um, Dark Phoenix. He played Quicksilver. And his whole thing in those movies was he did the thing where during a key moment in the movie... In pretty much all three of them, he uh, has this big set piece where he slows down time and goes around as everyone's frozen and like saves people from bullets and you know does all these crazy <clears throat> things and it's like this really cool set piece. Was that they, the Sweet Dreams one? There's they did to the rhythmic Sweet Dreams. Or maybe yeah, I, this think, I think that was one of them in one of the movies. Okay, that was the one best of part them of the movie. Was, uh, time in a bottle, right? The one in the uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and he's, he was also, he's also most notably been in several seasons of, uh, American Horror Story. Uh, he, uh, yeah. he, he's been cast 
in um, WandaVision, which is a new show coming to Disney Plus that is you know, with, within the MCU uh, franchise. It's uh, a show starring uh, Vision, played by Paul Bettany, and Scarlet Witch, uh, played by uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Um, and he's been cast in it. Now, the unsubstantiated or unconfirmed thing is it's not necessarily saying that he's been cast as Quicksilver. Uh, he could just be cast as some other random character. Um, but, you know, the the connection is unavoidable. You know, you, the, there's no way of there's no way to not speculate that he's being cast as Quicksilver. Um, right. So that being said, and also, you know, to give further insight uh, the show WandaVision is supposed to be basically like this, this like universe bending kind of meta show that kind of like bends reality and goes into different universes and kind of plays with the continuity. So, you know, it's not necessarily just existing in the mainline MCU, the mainline Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, there might be opportunities to go into other alternate universes and things. So there could be some kind of weird little crossover thing, kind of like what they're doing with like the Flashpoint um, whole thing with the CW DC shows with like multiple Supermans and all that, all the mm -hmm. stuff they're doing with that. There could be something like that in this where essentially they bring together like the Fox Quicksilver and a different Quicksilver. Like, you know, there, there, there could be a multitude of things that they could be doing with this. Um, so, you know, we're kind of speculating on the idea of that, of like them casting Evan Peters as the Fox X-Men Quicksilver in this Disney Plus show that takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I can go for that. Uh, a lot of the stuff, I don't know what you're talking about because I just don't know. But I'm really into this concept of WandaVision and their take on it. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. So anything that has to do with that show, I am here for. So I can go for that. Um. I can go for that with the caveat. Ooh, Throw them calves. Hitting us with yes. the calves. Uh, with the caveat that uh, Evan Peters has to uh, acknowledge that the music that we're hearing is what he's listening to. That's my only caveat. I want that to be canon. Isn't that... It's not. Isn't it's that not a given, canon. though? Because he puts, he has the big headphones on. We just hear it. It's never implicitly implied or said. Like, I don't, you, I don't you know. literally want him to go. I'm listening to. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. I want it. I want it to be more uh, obvious. It doesn't make. It doesn't make sense though, unless he like specifically like he's crafted, like he's taken songs and like edited them in a in editing software to like speed them up to be like. A millisecond long. That's what I'm saying. I want. I want explanations. Go ahead. But that's that's my only thing. A Andrew, your turn. Uh, yeah, I can go for that. I yeah. I, I mean, Evan Peter, Evan Evan Peters. Evan Peters. Uh, Evan Peters is great, and I, I I really like that version of Quicksilver. Um, uh, you know, even whenever he was not in a good movie, he was always kind of like the best part of the movie, at least. Um. And that slow down mechanic, I think, kind of got a little old after a while. Like when they did it in Apocalypse, it was kind of like, yeah, like this is definitely the best part of this movie. And it's still cool. 
but this is like the third time that you've just done this exact same thing. Uh, That's true. Uh, but yeah, sure, I can go for that. Right. Especially, especially in the context of it being kind of this weird, kind of universe-bending meta thing, where they're not yeah. just—they're not just saying like, "This is Quicksilver." We're casting Quicksilver as Evan Peters, which I might be able to go for that as well. But I like the idea that it's kind of like playing with the realities of things. Yeah, that's cool to me too. Um, now this next story. So hear me out on this, because you're definitely going to start screwing your eyes, eyebrows up a little bit as I'm reading this. But I will explain at the end. So Ridley Scott wants to re-evolve the Alien franchise as a romantic comedy. Three years on from Alien Covenant. Has, has seen Sir Ridley Scott speak of his desire to re-evolve the Alien franchise as a sexy romantic comedy. Um, it's not that I regret Covenant and Pr Prometheus, he said. Uh, it's just that by the time I got to Prometheus, the franchise had completely evolved into this sci-fi horror direction, and there was nothing I could do to change it. Uh, he went on to explain that he would like to do... What, what he would like to do with the Alien movies. I would love to re-evolve the series as a romantic comedy, a really grown-up adult romantic comedy. I would completely rework that first picture, make it much lighter. It would totally change the direction of the franchise. I'd love to see a much cuter meeting between Ridley, or Ripley, Ridley, Ripley and the alien. You know, you could have had Rid Ripley on the planet and she's stealing the eggs and the alien walks in and bumps into Ripley and she drops the eggs and she's like, oh God. She bends down to pick up the eggs. The aliens bend down to pick up the eggs, and but they bump heads. They catch each other's eyes. There's irritation, but there's also a spark there. From there, you go on to a series of will-they-won't-they they films where you see Ripley and the alien coming into each other's lives and then parting again. A bit like the Richard Linklater's Sunrise trilogy, but in space. More sexy adult flirtations, less laying eggs in stomachs. That's how I'd change or re-evolve the Alien franchise. Maybe I'll get a chance to do that one day. Okay, so... <clears throat> at a certain point in this, you, realize, you come to realize that this is obviously satire yeah <laughs> it's not real um which was the which was the process that i went through when i found this story and i started reading it and at first i in the in the beginning of it i was like i thought it was real and then once it got to uh head bumping i'd love yeah. to see a much cuter once i got to the thing where it was basically insinuating that the romantic comedy would be between ripley and the alien and i was mm -hmm. like oh this is just fake this is just satire but oddly enough, it was not. I looked around. I was like, oh, did I accidentally click on some satire website? Like one of those like quote unquote satire websites where they just have like fake stories. But it wasn't. It was a, it was a real news website, a, a real film news website. It didn't say anywhere on the article that it was satire. It didn't mention anything about anything like that. It wasn't posted on April 1st. As far as I could tell, there was no reason why this article had been posted and there was no indication of it being satire or not so i'm totally confused by it i don't know why this website posted this i don't know what their point was i don't know why they wanted to do this or why they didn't label it as satire and instead presented it as a real story but either way i still decided to include it because for can you go for that? These things don't need to be real. Mm -hmm. So I just want to speculate on that. Can you go 
for a romantic comedy set within the alien universe. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the dumb version of it, which is Ripley and the alien. But think about a better idea version of that, which is a romantic comedy between two humans, but it's set within the context of the alien franchise. So it's a, it's like maybe that movie passengers with, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, but it's two, uh, you know, space, uh, space technicians on a ship. There's an alien invasion, but also during this whole thing, they slowly fall in love. Something like that. I not only can go for that, I demand for that. I would love this. This would make Alien better. I think this is a genius idea. Hit you with some cobs. Only, only if Sir Ridley Scott actually directs it and yep. not pawns it off. Uh, Sigourney Weaver is in it. Mm-hmm. And her love interest is Michael Bean. And it's a will they, won't they, because she's in charge and he's not. So there's that dynamic between yeah. them of who's in charge. And every time you think they're going to kiss, boom, alien comes up. They got to run away again. <laughs> every time, like they fall on top of each other as they're racing away from the alien. Like, oh, boy, that's awkward. Just about to kiss. Boom, here comes an alien. <clears throat> so they was, have to was... kill the alien. To get to their truer love, which is the love for each other, and not so much about killing the alien. Uh, I, I I initially couldn't go for that, but after Kirk told me his story, I absolutely can <laughs> go for that. Yes. Yeah, That's but it's got to be it's got to be Bean and and and, and Weaver. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. no deal. Absolutely. Which also Bean and Weaver is the name <laughs> of my new uh, my new buddy cop procedural. Starring Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean. Yep, playing themselves. Oh. It's like oh, a, it's so a show. Ideas. It's a show about a, a future society where they've completely abolished the police force, and then like random celebrities just start enforcing the law. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, I love it. Right, that's such a good idea. Yeah, I love it. Uh, instead of instead of police, it's when. Instead of abolishing the police like people want, they just the government says they're abolishing police and giving power to uh, celebrities who already have their influence in place. And they start putting out androids that look like celebrities to police communities so they don't have uprisings. That's your new 1984, babe. It's not a horrible idea. I can go for that. Definitely. Yeah, I can go for that one. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and I and I can go for this too. Yeah, I think that'd be really that'd be really interesting. Yeah, uh, I love the idea of like playing with genre within a very established franchise. Like I think we've talked about it on the podcast before of just like you know I love that the Mandalorian is a western. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, not the the original the original Star Wars movies also had western elements to them. Like the original Star Wars movies were samurai films and westerns and old school radio serials. You know, all like Flash Gordon and Lone Ranger kind of all melded into one and in a little bit of fantasy. Um, but I love the idea of like, we have a very specific idea of what star Wars is that it's like this science fiction fantasy epic, but then you could take that and turn it on its heels and say like this little star Wars story is a, is a Western and this one's like a film noir. And this one's, you know, I, I like that idea of playing with genre within a franchise. So 
you know, we, we have a very specific idea of what the Alien franchise is. It's, uh, you know, a combination of uh, horror and also a, like an action movie. Like the first one is a straight up haunted house horror movie. The second one is a action movie, like straightforward. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's see a romantic comedy in that world. Yeah. Do it. Uh, last story. <laughs> so, uh, um, Michael Jackson uh, apparently always wanted to play an, an iconic X-Men character. Um, although later in life, uh, he was marred by controversy at his peak. He was a global sensation. He also had other hobbies and interests outside of music. One of those was for comic books. And in fact, Michael Jackson actually wanted to play the famous X-Men, Professor X. Uh, Professor, no, duh. Uh, you know, Professor Xavier. It was the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it was the late '90s, and the first X Men movie was just starting out. According to ComicBook.com, uh, uh, many uh, many A listers who wouldn't come off as comic book fans auditioned for roles in the in the movie. Uh, that we're talking about the first Brian Singer directed X Men movie with Hugh Jackman. Jack Jackman is Wolverine and all that. Uh, for example, Shaquille O'Neal auditioned for the role of Bishop. Mariah Carey auditioned for the role of Storm. And of course, the King of Pop himself auditioned for the role of Professor X. Um, on top of that, his sister Janet also auditioned for the role of Storm in the movie. However, while these auditions ultimately seemed like cool ideas, none of them worked out for one reason or another. Or another. So uh, not only not only did uh, Michael Jackson always want to play uh, Professor X, but he actually auditioned to play him in that original movie. Is that confirmed? According to this article. I feel if he auditioned for that, we would have heard about it. Uh, well, let me hit you with the cobs. Hit me, hit me some cobs. So it was a conspiracy theory for years and years, which finally, like literally since the 90s, it was a conspiracy theory. And it finally got confirmed like four or five years ago. Uh, by somebody who just like dig dug deep and just really went out and talked to people and interviewed people and finally got the truth about this. But it was a conspiracy theory for years that Michael Jackson composed the music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. And it was just always this weird ran- it was always this weird random thing that got passed around that people thought that Michael Jackson made the music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3 for the Sega Genesis. And it was it was based on a lot of conjecture. It was based on the fact that like he loved the Sonic the Hedgehog games and he talked about how they were his favorite games. And he talked about how he always wanted to work with them and do something for the games. And then uh, somebody pointed out similarities between some of the music in Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and some of the music on some of Jackson's later albums. Um, like... like uh, some of the songs on bad and uh somebody finally just spent like years digging around and they finally confirmed and figured out that he actually really did and what happened was he started working with sega to compose the music for sonic the hedgehog 3 he made all these all this music he was like 
well into the production of making the songs. He had already written all of them. He had sort of, they had recorded all of them. They were in the process of figuring out how to digitize the music and adapt it for the console. And right in the middle of that process is whenever the allegations came up, the initial wave of allegations came out against him back in the 90s. That first wave of it, the thing that kind of turned him into the punchline that he became. And so in light of those allegations at the time, um, Sega just completely severed ties with him. And that whole project was scrapped. However, they still used all the music. But also simultaneously, Michael Jackson took a bunch of that music that he had composed that was on the cutting room floor <coughs> and he incorporated it into later songwriting and later music. So uh, that was something that just nobody knew for years. But he Michael Jackson did compose uh, a number of the songs that were used in Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Huh. Hmm. Um, hmm. I can't go for that. I just uh, take away all the baggage. Yeah. And it's still Michael Jackson up there as Professor X. Right. right. And there's no escaping that. He's actually a pretty talented actor. But you're just like, oh, that's Michael Jackson. Is he going to get up off his wheelchair and dance? Because that's what I'm expecting. Yeah. So I can't I can't go for that. Too, it's it's he's too iconic. Uh, I agree. I can't go for that. I, uh, the only time I ever think about his acting is when I think about, um, thriller, like, and, and then the movie where he, or that movie, the song where he like becomes a skeleton in a mansion with a bunch of townspeople. I can't remember what the name of that song is. Um, I mean, he's, if you ever, you can, uh, get the whiz. He's great in the whiz. Yeah. He's really, really good in the whiz. Uh, then what? Then why? Why does all of his other stuff suck when he tries to act? Like what? Give examples. That I mean, the uh, thriller. He's terrible in thriller. Nah, no. he's just a good singer and dancer. Nah, my dog. Oh Jesus! Nah, shut up! Oh my God! You guys are so like starstruck. Starstruck by his he's, bullshit. He's good in Captain EO, and Captain EO sucks. Right. Directed right. by Francis Ford Coppola, or no? Yeah, Martin Scorsese. Which no, one? No, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's for uh, Michael Jackson Ghosts. I don't even there's know what like that is. There's like a whole video, and he's like a demon in it. It's great for dancing and singing and watching. Tyler, but you, his you acting have, in it's terrible. You have not watched Moonwalker. Don't tell oh, me yeah. you've seen Moonwalker. I have watched Moonwalker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the Wiz. But, but I think mostly you're right. You can't get past the fact that he's. Uh, Michael Jackson to yeah. see him as Professor X. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I couldn't go for Giancarlo Esposito as Professor X, <laughs> I definitely can't go for Michael Jackson as Professor X. I yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't see that. It's a fair assessment. I can't go yeah. for that. I cannot go for that. And this has been another edition of. Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Oh. Can you? Tell me, can you, can you go for that? This is the remix. Can you go for that? Can you go for that now? Oh, I like the now. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. That, was that was just for you. That hit hard.
last story before we end the show before we wrap things up uh r.i.p bonnie pointer of the pointer sisters has died at age 69 yeah uh sad uh bonnie pointer uh of the pointer sisters a pop group whose hits included fire slow hand and i'm so excited has died at eight at the age of 69 her sister anita confirmed the news to tmz revealing she died on monday um it is with great sadness that i have to announce to the fans of the pointer sisters that my sister bonnie died this morning our family is devastated on behalf of my siblings and i and the entire pointer family we ask for your prayers at this time uh the statement continued bonnie was my best friend and we talked every day uh, we never had a fight in our life. I already miss her, and I will see her again one day. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. not. I'm not so excited about this. Oh, I mean, also, I just want to throw out they had so many other bigger hits too. Automatic. Oh He's yeah, so shy. Of course, Neutron gonna, Dance. Of course, they're gonna go for like just the most obvious, yeah, well-known ones in a in a quick write-up on a news site yeah i mean come on neutron dance alone yeah it's still good to this day uh r.i.p yeah r.i.p sad day i mean and, and she was still i mean she, she wasn't that old she was 69 no. i mean they had a they had a huge career they really there was a good chunk of time from like the late 70s to the mid 80s where they were they were the shit everything they everything they spun was gold wow all that glitters is gold only shooting stars somebody once asked would i spare some chains for gas i need to sit i can't can't sing it's impossible to sing along with somebody because it's so out of sync that like (laughs) it just becomes confusing and it was Um, still better than the original yeah uh cool yeah so i mean not cool (laughs) specifically not cool uh but uh but but uh, that's it that's the show thanks for listening um uh, you know, if if you enjoyed this and you and you want to hear more and you haven't done so already, uh, please consider subscribing. If you like the show, uh, you, you you know you could rate and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, even if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, but you have an Apple account and it's convenient for you to do so, you can go on to Apple Podcasts and give us the rating and the review because it really helps uh, shows like us to get those uh, ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts specifically. Um, if you have a friend that you think you might like the show, consider sharing this with them. Um, it could be your little thing that you talk about every week. It could be your, co- it could be your, your, your water cooler talk or your zoom cooler talk. I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, your wine cooler talk. Yeah. Wine coolers. Everyone's drinking those now still. Um, if, <laughs> if, uh, if, if, uh, if you want to f- keep up to date with, uh, everything that we're doing on the podcast, as well as all the nostalgic content we post on a daily basis, you can go to our Facebook page, the official Nostalgia Facebook page on Facebook. Just search Nostalgia. We're there with the blue check mark next to our name. You can also join our Facebook group, the official Nostalgia Facebook group. Um, just search Nostalgia in groups. You can follow us on Instagram at Nostalgia. Um, and, uh, you know, say, stay safe and stay healthy out there for, you know, multiple reasons. Uh, thanks for listening and fuck white supremacists.